Thank you, Jesus. Well, I wanted to continue um, what I was preaching about last week. I was preaching on uh, repentance, the word repentance. And if you remember from last week that the word repentance means uh, turning from sin and turning towards God. That's the, the Hebrew definition um, of repentance. And also in the Greek, it's changing of a mind and will. It's like changing your mind and your will. The things that, would, um, that you meditate on, the things that you think about, are where we're going to head. You know, wherever our eyes are, whatever our focus is upon, that's where we're going to go. And so that's the, um, and then the third one, that a third definition is godly sorrow over sin or to be grieved over those things, you know, that cause us to regret or to say, wow, why did I do that? You know, and um, I was thinking about this, you know, where would we have been if we didn't encounter Jesus? You know, you can think about the, the, your life and, you know, I would say that our walk with the Lord is not a straight line. You know, our walk with the Lord is something like this. It's up, it goes down, it's this, and it's to the side, it goes this way. But basically, we're progressing towards um, getting closer to the Lord, but it's not a straight shot. I don't think I've ever met anybody who was a straight shot from, got born again, and it's just an upward climb all the way. You know, that would be a rare event. Maybe there is people, but I haven't, I haven't met them yet. But where repentance is uh, changing of our mind. That we all, you know, have our thinking and where our minds are crafted by our parents, our education, the culture, the movies, the music. These things, uh, they um, train our mind or can even indoctrinate us to a certain paradigm or a certain way of thinking. But when we come to the Word of God and we see this truth for what it is... This is strong, and it has the ability to arrest us, to stop us from the path that we're going. If we're moving away from God, to stop us in our track, and we do a U-turn, and we turn towards God and start walking in the direction that would bring us life. Can anybody say amen to that? Can you imagine where we would have been if we've never encountered Christ? If our life continued on the path that we were on, apart for that U-turn to facing the Lord. Can you think of the, con the potential consequences of that? You know, like uh, my wife said up here, man, we're getting old. You know, we're, I, I helped uh, Steve's place and I got home and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. What did I, I didn't even hardly work hard today and they're all sore. And it just, it bears to mind that the outward man is, is corrupting. The outward man is fading away, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. That this inner life that was within us, that was inserted the moment that we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's being built up. And not only that, we have a glorious future, a glorious inheritance forever and ever and ever. It says it's reserved in heaven for us where moth can't eat it away, that it cannot be corrupted or it cannot be stolen from us. So that's really good news right there, that our inheritance is secured because of what Jesus did. It was started, that path started when we first repented, and that was the changing of our mind. So I want to read this scripture. This is in the Gospel of Matthew. 
And, you know, I started last week, I was in the book of Malachi, cause it, or, uh, you know, I was mentioning in the book of Malachi, it says that the, the one would come and herald the kingdom. He would herald Christ. And he says that the, all of a sudden the Messiah would come to his temple. But who could endure the day of that? Who could endure the day the, when he comes in there like a, a launderer and he's going to be purifying the silver with fire. Who can endure that day? And so this was uh, John the Baptist who actually was born before Jesus. But when Jesus, uh, when he met Jesus, he said, this one, I'm not even worthy to baptize. I, you should be baptizing me, you know. And Jesus says, well, let's just fulfill all righteousness and let's do this. And he said, he was before me. And you're thinking, well, if Jesus, uh, John the Baptist was born before Jesus, how can he say he was before me? Because Jesus always existed. Jesus is with God the Father, the Son, the, um, he's the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit were with, together from eternity. But I want to read from uh, chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, verse 1, it says, And in the days of John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. You know, so... God uh, proclaims the end from the beginning. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is coming back soon. We see the signs all around us. And we have a herald here who is saying, the first thing out of his mouth, he says, repent. So that means change your mind, turn away from those things that were making you walk away from God and turn back to the Lord. So if that message holds that the Lord is coming back, he's coming back to his people, this is something that we should pay attention to, I believe, right? And then we go into chapter 4, and this is the story where Jesus was tempted by Satan for 40 days in the wilderness. He didn't eat food for 40 days and he was hungry and the devil came and tempted him and um, he defeated the devil uh, with the word of God you know he had the word of God implanted within him and every time the devil brought a temptation he confronted him with the word of God and then in I want to this is chapter 4 verse 12 I'm going to start there it says when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth he came and dwelt in Capernaum Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. And it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of the de- death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist started out his ministry with a message of repentance. And Jesus started out his ministry with a message of repentance. Which is, this is a new thing that's happening here. This is a new paradigm, a new, a new day. I'm preaching the kingdom of heaven right now. I'm preaching the, the, the kingdom of heaven. I'm bringing good tidings. The word gospel means good news. You know, sometimes you, you, you hear people and they don't want anything to do with the Bible. They don't want to have anything to do with salvation. But in effect, it is very good news. 
It's that we could be forgiven from things that were otherwise unforgivable in the past. That because of what Jesus did, he was able to pay and, and blot out our sin in the handwriting of requirement that was against us. He nailed it to the cross, triumphing over principalities and powers. And he's written our name on the Lamb's book of life. And that's who we are uh, that's our in, in eternal inheritance in Christ. Because of what Jesus did. It's because of what Jesus did. Not because of our righteousness. In fact, the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. You know, I was talking to Steve about that. How we are immersed in sin. Our culture is immersed in sin. Um, we swim in it like a fish swims in water. That we're not even aware of it. Because you think about back in the day where God uh, planted um, a garden and he put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he gave them one rule. He said, there's one rule in this place. Do not eat from the tree of the, gar the, the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was it. Everything else was good. And they went and the devil came, the, the serpent came in there and tempted them to eat from that tree. And from that point, they were kicked out of the garden. And I'm thinking, that man, that's just one violation. One, one strike, you're out. Boom, you're done. Because God is so holy that he can't abide with unholiness. He can't abide with sin. This was a direct rebellion. Adam received that commandment direct from God. He says, this one rule in this garden, don't do this. And because you violated that, it says in the Bible, if you violate one law, you violate them all. And you've disqualified yourself from righteousness. No, self-righteousness. There is no self-righteousness. So we have a problem. So we're all separated from God because of the sin that was we're born into. We were all born into sin. We all came into this, this uh, world. We had that uh, lineage that was passed down from our original parents. You know, you read in the Bible and it talks about sons of God. And it says in 1 John, it says, As many as believed in Jesus Christ, they gave them the right to become the sons of God. A lot of people would say, well, I'm a son of God. No, you're not. You're a son of Adam. Uh, uh, like uh, begets after like. Uh, the law of seed. Uh, uh, an orange seed will produce an orange tree. So if we're the seed of Adam, we're going to be reproduced in the, in the nature of sin. That's just the way it is. But as many as accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, He gave those people the right to be called the sons of God. So we get restored back to our original nature by what Jesus did. He paid the debt. He made the way. We grab that by faith. We confess that and we repent. That's a changing of our mind that I'm no longer this person, but I'm a new identity in Christ Jesus. Right? That's, that's, you know, that's the power of changing your mind. You actually do what your mind thinks. You know? They said, you know, the, the, I hear this saying, if you think you, you can do something or you think you can't, can't do something, you're right. Right? Either you, you can think you can do something, I think I can do this, or I can't do that, in either case you're right. Because if you think you can't, you're not going to try. But if you think you can, there's all kinds of potential with that. Amen? And because of what Jesus did for us, there is no limit on the potential. On what we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Yes. Ephesians 4. We hear that, that saying, the old man. Putting away the old man. 
It's not your father, but it's our old nature, the person that we used to be. You know, a lot of people, they call their dad their old, the old man, which is totally disrespectful. Don't call your father the old man. That's not good. But it's talking in the Bible here, the old man is our old nature. Before we repented, before we came to the knowledge of Christ, who we used to be, how we used to think, the way we used to do things before we had relationship with Christ. And I want to read this portion of scriptures is chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 17 and says this I say therefore and testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind what is futility of the mind it's just why am I even doing this what am I here for just going around in a circle doing the same thing over and over like they said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result futility why are you even trying to do this and then verse 18 having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of heart who being past feeling having given themselves over to lewdness to work on cleanness on uh, cleanness with greediness but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as is the truth in G in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness and how do we do that how do we put on this new man the way we do it is number one we get a vision from God we we get a view of how God looks at us and even if it's counterintuitive because we tend to say well that's what you say in your word but that's not my experience that's not what I'm feeling but it's not about feeling it's about faith and is it about what God said is true or what our feelings can betray us our feelings can be very fickle right um, I remember reading this story I think it was in um, Philip Yancey's one of his books and he was talking about feelings and I've used this illustration I thought it was really good it's kind of graphic but it, it's a it's a story about he says your feelings do not dictate the reality of our lives and they said that you know he, he gave an example this is we'll just say this is a fictitious example so we don't freak out but he says this person is at home and um, all of a sudden there's a knock at the door it's like three o'clock in the morning and it's a police officer outside your your house and he says something like this you know we just got word that is this so and so this is so and so address yes this is the right address well we had news uh, that your your child was in a car accident and they passed away and the, the parents are just crazy just just devastated at that point their their emotional well-being I was just sleeping and all of a sudden boom they just crash your emotional well-being crashes over here and then come back to find out the police get another report that's the wrong address you went to the wrong house and the police got to go back up to the house and says I'm sorry to let you that I gave you this terrible news but it wasn't your house it was the house across the street there it was the wrong can you imagine the the emotional roller coaster that was going on there all of a sudden you're here I just got out of bed boom it crashes down here and then all of a sudden you realize wow my kids still alive it's the wrong house you're up here but then you also realize that it's your neighbor across the street boom this emotional roller coaster our emotions don't detect don't uh, dictate reality 
There's a lot of things that we go through in life. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. But what dictates reality is what God's word says about it. And faith is able to lock into what God says about it, despite the things that are going on in our life, and say, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to hold on to that despite these ups and downs of my emotional well-being. And to hang on to it. That's faith right there. That's when it says you got to have faith. You got to have faith. We got to believe that when God says something, even though our circumstances aren't dictated by that at this moment, that we say, I'm going to have faith. Because what we have is so precious. That's repentance right there. That's changing of the mind, changing of the thinking to align with what God's word says. So that we don't allow the circumstances or the lies from the enemy or the things that come our way to get us off track. But we lock into the reality of God's word because he says, God says about his word, I have placed my word, I've exalted my word above my name. You remember back in the day that if somebody gave you their word, you could take that to the bank. That was a contract. I'll be there. I will do this. That was good enough. Can you imagine when God makes that kind of promise to us? I have sent my son. I have paid this debt. You, if you're in my son, you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in my son, Christ Jesus. I gave you my word. That's renewing of the mind that we don't go on our performance. We don't go on our emotions, how we feel about it. But we say, God, you said this. God, you said this. And you're not a man that you should lie. That you are true. And not only that, I realize how much you love me because you sent your son to die. Such a cruel death to pay that debt that was due to me because of my sinfulness. Right? And so that ought to give us an idea how gracious God is. That he would do something so outrageous as that. Let's turn to Romans 6. It's... it's you know, to get a glimpse of this, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, I know that, I know that. But to really let it sink into us and think about it has the real ability to anchor us to the truth when we meditate upon these things. And despite how we feel about it or our performance that doesn't match up, but we say, it's not about my performance, it's about your righteousness. And that very knowledge has the ability to strengthen us so that our performance kind of matches more up to his vision for us. Right? Because if I tell you, you're a sinner, you're a worm, you can't ever do it. You, you, if we preach that, then that's the level that we'll go at. But if we elevate the vision, it says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are here, up here. Then we're going to be looking up there and we're going to be attaining to that. Right? That's where we want to be. We want to understand these, these words that, that were written here by God who doesn't lie. He says, but when he, when he swore this covenant with him, because he could swear by no one higher than himself, he says, surely blessings, I will bless you. You know, God said that. And we have that anchor of the fact that God is not able to lie. We can lay hold to these promises. This promise goes behind the veil where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf in our weakness. He's saying, no... This person has faith in me, Father. This person uh, has faith in me. Even though they sin, he brought that sin before me. It's covered by the blood. They have faith in me. It's a completed work. Amen? Amen. Chapter 6 in the book of Romans. It says, 
What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This was the thing that Paul was accused of. He was preaching a grace gospel and people were saying, well, if we're not under the law, if we don't have to get circumcised, if we don't have to do all the things that Moses said, then let's just sin plenty because where there's plenty sin, then there's plenty grace. And he goes, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do not know that as many as of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, um, were baptized into his death. So a baptism is an important event. It's one of that ordinances that says, do this. When you have faith, I want you to take action with your faith. Go down to the water and get baptized. Because you can lay claim. I tell people this when they get baptized in this church. I say, this is a day where the old nature died and the new man came up out of that water. And if you're feeling like, well, I don't know if that ever happened to me. You can go back to that day. That's why we give somebody a certificate that has the date on there and says, that was the day when I died and the new me came out of the water. And, I, and I'm laying claim to that in faith that that happened. I took my faith and I did a tangible act with that faith, right? And so, so that identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at that point. Verse 3 again, Or do not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism to death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So we die, but we're also resurrected. So if we, we have faith that I'm going to die, my old nature is going to die when I go into that water, we also have the faith that says my new nature is resurrecting out and I'm identified, I'm in Christ right now. And it's not about how we feel about it, but it's what God says about it, right? And as we think about these things, this knowledge has the ability to change our view on our lifestyle and who we are in Christ. Then it goes, For we been united together, verse, um, verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Do you know the knowledge of this right here? Has the, there's sins that, that are besetting sins. There's that sin that so easily besets us. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to ever get over this sin. But this knowledge right here has, sin is a power, but this right here is a greater power that can cancel out that power. Amen. It's not, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. You do that, you're going to fail every time. It's like if I, like I said this before, if I sat up here as a pastor, okay, the way to get into heaven is to never think about pink elephants. What are you guys thinking about right now? Right? <laughs> and, and that's how it is. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. If you do it, ah, see, but we're not concentrating on the right thing. We concentrate on the power of God over these things. That he's conquered this already. And because I'm in Christ, I am victorious in Christ already. Right? So it's not on, based on my behavior because the devil will slap you around with that all day long. But it says, nope, I'm in Christ. And if we screw up, it says he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, forgive me. I look to your sacrifice and I don't count it as a small thing you did for me, but I esteem it for what it is. 
Thank you for the blood. That has power right there to cancel out this condemnation that the devil wants to put us under. Amen. Amen. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, in the same way, you also reckon or consider yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus the Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. There's something powerful about that. It's like the law said it was. The law was never to make anybody righteous. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I screwed up. Oh, oh no. Uh, you screwed up on one over here. You're guilty of them all. There was only one person who walked this planet who was not guilty of any sin and his name was Jesus Christ. And he took that perfect life and he made it available to us. You want to be identified with my righteousness? Confess me as your Lord and Savior. Get baptized and now you're identified with me. Now you're seated in heavenly places. You have an inheritance. You're on your way to heaven. It's not based on your performance. It's based upon your faith in what I've done. And that knowledge right there has the ability to cancel out this curse of sin. The law was made to show the righteousness of God. And it was a standard so high that was set so high. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to expound on the law. When it says don't murder, I'm going to throw it into the stratosphere now. When you say don't murder, I say this. Anybody who hates somebody without a cause is guilty of murder. I was like, oh, guilty. I was guilty this week watching Antifa <laughs> on YouTube and riots and whatever and craziness that's going on. I just, I get mad. And then I, 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 I want to comment. Sometimes I comment on these videos that I watch. And then I, I, I think, no, you better delete that. And I delete it. And there's something that I send out there and I go, oh no, it has Church of the Firstborn affiliated with that. We are called to a higher stand. I'm just being honest, man. I can read you some of them. They're pretty funny, though, some of the comments that I make. <laughs> there was one, they call it the Lincoln Project. And all they do is rag on our president. They just go, go, go. It's all his fault. The whole world has coronavirus because of our president. You know, they're, they're throwing these outrageous claims, man. And I, I said this, yeah. You know, I mentioned something like that. Yeah, it's, all our, it's President Trump's fault that everybody's under lockdown because he uh, produced this virus. You know, that's how ridiculous this thing goes, right? Um, and I said this, I said, yeah, that like the Democrats have an answer to our problems. I said, their, their best candidate that they can put up is Joe Biden, enough said. I mean, if that's the answer you got, we got problems, man. There's a problem right there. Lest I get into the flesh, we'll move away from this subject right now. <laughs>
Verse 15, back in the word that has the ability to transform the mind. (laughs) What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. So he's reiterating that point. We're not to, because we're under grace, I'll just, he's so gracious, I'm just going to do what I want and I'll ask forgiveness. And I know that he's graceful, he's going to forgive me. That's not the point. The point is, we want to renew our mind so that we're walking closer to Him, that we have intimacy and we're pleasing God. Amen? It says, verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, that you are one slave whom to obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? Obedience is what renews the mind. Obedience is what leads to righteousness and a sense of righteousness when we obey the Word of God. Amen? But God be thanked through whom you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart, from that doctrine which is that you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness to lawlessness, needing to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves as righteousness, uh, slaves of sin. Excuse me, let me read this again. It says, I speak in human terms, verse 19, in weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Lawlessness begets lawlessness. The more you give into the sin nature, that thing has no bottom. It's just going to keep, keep going like that. You know, there's no, you, you see the, the craziness that are going on in the streets is because it's a spirit of lawlessness. I don't want anybody telling me anything. I don't want no authority over me. I just do what this is what my passions within my body tell me to do. And we're seeing the results of that. They said, the Lord said that we would live in a time of lawlessness. I believe that we're all seeing that right now. But we need to be under that law of God's grace Verse 10, 20, it says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in these things in which you are now ashamed? Think about that. When we gave into our sin nature and it, it wrote out to its natural conclusion, and when we look back on our lives, we survey those things that are covered under the blood of Jesus. But don't you cringe? It's like, what were you thinking? How could you have done that? But you were just going with the zeitgeist. You were going with the spirit of the age. You were going with your, your gut nature. You were just doing the sin nature because you weren't submitted to God. And now it says, instead of being happy about my past, I cringe over it. I was like, oh, what was I thinking, man? But thank you, Lord, that you covered it by the blood. Amen? Amen. Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have fruit to holiness And the end is everlasting life, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel. Salvation isn't an earned thing. Salvation is a gift, but this is the process. That we don't go with our gut feelings, but we go with faith. We get this thing in our mind. We renew our mind with the word of God. It says, this is what God says. Despite my emotional reaction to it, this is what God says. Lord, help me to latch on to that. Help me not only to latch on to it. Help me to put it into action. Help me to meditate on it. Help it to bear fruit in my life. 
the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, that these things would be manifested in our lives, that it would produce something worthy of Christ's sacrifice. And that's what God is looking for. This right here, whenever I hear of somebody struggling with sin, I said, meditate on this right here. This has the ability to break that, that cycle, that cycle, that, that infinity loop. It's like, I can't get out of this. It just keeps going over and over and over and over. This has the ability to break that infinity loop right here. This knowledge right here can crush that and says, I don't have to return to that because this is who I am in Christ. Sin is a power, but grace is much more powerful than sin. As we give ourselves to that reality, we meditate, we renew our mind with that truth. Amen? That's my message. That's what I'm sticking to because that's the word of God. Hallelujah.